0: Hey, this is Pastor Matt McLuhan here from TakeOver Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you, we pray it blesses you, we pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends, to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through TakeOver Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. Well, this morning, um, man, what an incredible... Moment of worship, by the way. Can we just say that? Like, um, I'm not the biggest Christmas music fan, if I'm being honest. Like, I know, I know, I know. We're in West Michigan. We love the tree lighting. We like all of that stuff. I ain't here for it, all right? But what I am here for is when Takeover Worship puts a Takeover spin on some Christmas songs, and it redeems it for me. Good Lord. That was amazing. Everyone's like, this pastor just hates Christmas. I don't. I love Jesus. I love the major. I love it all. I just wish people wrote better music back in the day. That's all. Um, but our worship team is incredible. I'm losing everybody so fast. Get to the good news, bro. It sounds terrible. You hate everything. Um, but yeah, this morning, you guys were absolutely incredible. And I just want to take a moment real quick before we dig into today's word. And man, I just want to uh, challenge us as a church um, I know it's easy during worship because the music is, we're a pretty rock and roll church, the music is loud and the lights are dim, so we can kind of get rowdy then, we can feel free to lift our hands then, but I want to challenge us as a church right now, can we just take five seconds and lift up the loudest praise this room has ever heard for our God, come on, let's go. I just want us to always keep a heart posture that he is worthy, whether we're in worship or not, whether we're alone or not, whether we're in a crowded room or not, like wherever we are, he is so worthy of us just getting outside of our comfort zones to get uncomfortable and just quit being shy and lift up a shout of praise for our King of Kings, because he's better than we are able to praise. And so I want to find every reason to give him praise this morning. Amen. Fantastic. Well, this morning we're continuing our series. Uh, Zach actually had it correct this time. Uh, For week seven. Of into the wild this morning. The title of my messages. If you're taking notes, it is Lost in the Wild. This is not Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. This is Lost in the Wild. Home Alone. Let's no cap. Home Alone is amazing. That's a revelation. Who doesn't love Home Alone? Come on. It is like st- story of Judah. I don't know. Uh, it's not. Um, but yeah, Lost in the Wild and this morning. Uh, For our scripture that we're mainly going to be coming out of this morning, we're going all the way back to the Old Testament. Some would say all the way back. All the way back back to Genesis 3, 8 through 13. Come on. I'm going to be coming out of the ESV. You can read uh, whatever translation you want to, except for New King James. Um, Because I'm a bit too modern for that. So here we go. Genesis 3, 8 through 13. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the cool. Or, What is that? I got it. My thing was all messed up. Sorry, iPad problems. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman whom you gave, oh, geez, Adam, calm down. The woman who you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Might be a little bit of a familiar passage this morning, but I really hope for a fresh revelation of this word of God, because in this significant story, he has a loud word for us. Amen. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it. Sound good? Yeah. Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning, God. We thank you, God, for the ability to show up in a room like this on a Sunday morning, God. And we just get to lose our ever-loving minds because you are so good and you are so worthy. And we love you this morning, Father God. God we want to leave here today knowing with full confidence in ourselves that we gave you every praise, every honor, every cheer, every clap, everything that you are so worthy of, God. We know it pales in comparison to your greatness, God, but we came here today with a spirit this morning that we want to let you know how great you are. We want to give you all the glory at the end of the day. Father God, we just want to say as one church, we love you. Yes. And so we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. And we thank you that you're a God who doesn't just call us into the wild and leave us there to our own devices, but you go with us into the wild. So we thank you for everything that you're doing in and through this place. We ask the Holy Spirit, you would continue to move. In Jesus, my name, faith-filled Church said... Hey, man, come on. Lost in the wild. There's this funny part when you first start off your message where you have no clue what, where you're going. It's like you say this moment, and you're like, if I repeat the title enough times to myself, I'm going to remember what it was. But we live in this time. We've been going through this series Um into the wild. And into the wild, I hope it's been good. Is anybody loving this series so far? Speaking of which, how good was our city outreach pastor Kelsey last week? Come on. Yeah. So good. But we're going through this series, and man, it's just the world that we live in right now is wild. That's the whole premise of the series, is that God he calls us unto himself. He calls us alive. He gives us a new name. He calls us into great ventures and great exploits for his kingdom to really change things, like Zach was saying earlier in our prayer and praise, to go in and change the places that we occupy as Christians. We're actually called to do things. And for this series, I was shook into my core. Anybody ever just feel shook sometimes? Like, I was shooken to my core. I don't even think shooken is a word, but it sounds good. It sounds good. I got a few words in my message this morning that aren't words, but it sounds good. Um that's every Sunday, Matt. I know. I know. Okay. I know. I need to get a grammar thing. Um, but there we go. Um, but here's the thing. This message here is for me. That's why we're going through Christmas. That's why it's been a little bit longer. I know for a lot of times we love our little four-week, uh, you know, bite-sized theology classes on, on what God's word says. We love this tightly nice thing. But for me, God was really challenging. I was like, hey, I got this big idea. And there's a lot of stuff in it. And he shook me to my absolute core with a lot of these messages, because i got to tell you, friends, God knows you far better than I do. As much as I know you, as much as Adrienne is familiar with you, as much as we do life together, we get to meet you, and we have conversation, we do these things, our God stands outside of time and space. He knows every hair on your head. He has spoke you into existence. He gave you a new name and a new new, uh, reason for living when he called you, and he knows what you need in this season more than I do. And So I just want to encourage you to really begin to lean into this message series. If you have, we have two weeks left this week and next week because our God has something that He is trying to get through to every single one of us. Amen. Amen. So lost in the wild. I love this piece of scripture because I think it's, I think it's really something that we can take for granted. If we look at the beginning of, of the world, we look at the first people, we look at this big grand uh, story that's going on. I was letting, somebody let me know last week that I was saying grandiose wrong get it? Grandiose. Grant How is Grandiose. Grandiose. I'm putting an O in the wrong place. It's good to know. Well, there's this big grand story that you and I have been sown into, that we've been born into, and this amazing thing that God is doing where he's redeeming the world. But in this piece of scripture, we see where what is known as the fall of man happened. And before we get into that, I just want to encourage you this morning, if you felt more lost than found, I hope this message speaks to you. If you felt more lost than found recently, I hope this message challenges you. If you felt more lost than found, I hope that today you will leave with a greater revelation that you are far more found than you are lost. You are far more found than you are lost. You see, we live in a day and age where this decade is ending. I actually, I think that's kind of wrong. People keep saying the decade is ending but uh, 2020 would actually begin, like, would be the ending of the decade, because there's year 10. Like, oh, like, 2001 started a new decade. Like, yeah, we're wrong. So everyone who's saying this, Spotify who's sending out their list, you're wrong, okay? It's just so loud and popular now that none of us are questioning it, like a lot of the world. But just so everyone's aware, we have one more year. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be the best year yet, praise God, right? 2020. But here we are in for you and I, as we go through this journey of following Jesus, as we chase after everything that He has for us, man, there are going to be moments in our lives where we are tempted to bite the fruit. There's been moments while we're following Jesus where we have had progress after progress, fruitful season after fruitful season. We have been going strong for so long. It's been amazing. It's been incredible. We feel like we are the absolute champion of the universe at this point, and we're like, woo! And then something will happen in our lives that inevitably and sometimes randomly and sometimes because of happenstance that we fall for what the devil has for us. We've been ignoring his voice for so long. We've been pursuing God with everything we have. We've been serving in church. We've been at crews. We've been meeting with people. But suddenly something happens in the wild, and we find ourselves failing in the wild. Has anybody just experienced extreme measures of failure before? For me, 2019 is is a year of redemption for me. For me, 2019 is a big year. It's been the biggest year of my life. God has done so much work in and through my life, in and through my marriage, in and through every facet, every avenue of Matt McClure's life. That's been amazing. It's been redeemed so much. I've had more redemption in 2019. At year 28, I'm turning 29 in a couple weeks. At year 28, I have felt more redemption from the Lord than I have in my entire walk with him since I was 16 years old. I've had this experience with him that has blown my mind, but that redemption was found on the backside of extreme failure, extreme loss. I've had things in my life that happened that God really needed to excavate Okay, He didn't just need to dig up in the garden. He had some things that he had to get down deep and dirty. and He had to pull out an excavator, a backhoe, and he had to go in deep to Matt McClure because there were some things that he had to uproot because I had some failures in my life that I kept hidden, that I kept shelved, that I kept in the dark. And when failures are kept shelved and kept in the dark, that's where shame comes in. That's where guilt comes in. And when failure is kept hidden in the dark, that's when failure becomes fatal. But friends, I came to church this morning to encourage you that failure doesn't have to be fatal. Failure doesn't have to be fatal. Failure doesn't have to be the punctuation mark on your life. Failure has no right to define you. But as human beings, when we mess up, when we fail, when we fall, when we stumble, it's like our nature. It's our human nature, our fallen nature to allow this thing called failure to begin to define our lives, for failure to begin something that we experience time and time again. Some of us, we have failed so many times that what should be futile in the eyes of Christ has now become permanent for a Christian. It's become an identity for the Christian. But friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that failure has zero right to claim your life. Failure is only fatal as long as you allow it to stay relevant in your life. As human beings, we give failure way more power than it has any right to have in our lives. As as human beings, even as Christians, we're not above this because we want justice so much that it's easy for us to keep shame and guilt heaped on other people because they failed. Yet for us this morning, we know because we know Jesus that when he went to the cross, it was so that failure didn't have to keep defining our lives. But for us, it is so easy to begin to identify with our failures because inevitably you're human. You will make mistakes. The devil will come for you. Our Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so that you can have life and life to the full. Life and life to the full is when failure is not fatal, but it is futile to the grace of God. Man, for us this morning, the devil would love nothing more. Then for some Christians to start living defeated. As Christians, can I tell you this this morning? Did you know that you were called life and life to the full? Okay, you're called to go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from hope to hope. But when we begin to make an agreement, when we begin to make an agreement with failure as our identity, as failure as our default setting, we don't go from hope to hope and strength to strength and glory to glory. We go from breakdown to breakdown and to defeat to defeat, and shame to shame, and guilt to guilt. And you and I, as Christians, we were never designed. God's hope when he went to the cross was not that you would live shame to shame, beat down to beat down, guilt to guilt, but that you would lead from glory to glory, strength to strength, and hope to hope. You see, friends, the reason we call this message Lost in the Wild is because for you and I, It is so easy to begin to identify with failure that we begin to make an agreement with failure. We've done it so many times. We've kept it so hidden that we're thinking about it more than God is because he's already put Jesus on it. He has already forgiven you. He has already looked at you with grace. He has already poured Jesus all over you. He has already seen you as a son, but you and I, we keep our failures on the inside. We keep it hidden, and suddenly it becomes everything that we are. And so God's whole goal for us is that we would not give failure the power over our future, but we would give God's grace the power over our future, amen? God's grace is so big, it's so deep, it's so mighty, that God's grace can actually redeem your failures and empower your future, amen? Come on, that's a good word. I don't know if you needed to hear that this morning or what, but God's grace is so good, it is so big, it is so mighty, that it will redeem your failures, and it will give you grace for your future. It will empower your future. Amen. So here in this scenario, if you don't know, let me catch you up. And it's okay that if you don't, if this is the first time you're hearing this Bible story, uh, I'm going to give you the MRV version of it, the Matt Ridiculous version. It's going to be poor grammar and terrible. I don't mispronounce words. It's going to be awesome. But God uses me, right? It's good. (laughs) Thanks, Kyle. But here in this story, this is Adam and Eve, and if you don't know, Adam and Eve is the first of the humankind. This is the first image bearers. These are the ones that, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Word spoke into existence, got down, put it with mud and with a spirit, and he breathed life onto it, and Adam came alive, and then Adam was being cool and being awesome, and God was really proud of Adam, then he saw it wasn't good that Adam be alone, so he made him a woman named Eve, and Eve was really cool. She's a lot like Adrian. Well, I didn't mean like that. I meant, yeah, now it's bad. Now I'm in the doghouse. My bad. I meant, like, immaculates. I meant, like, God breathed, God designed. You know what I'm saying? Help me out, church. Help me out. I'm in the doghouse. It's just amazing, right? Come on. The first of her kind, right? Come on. Jeez, you and Wonder Woman, it's great. I'm so in the doghouse. Uh, my foot tastes real good, all 12 inches of it. It's just the big feet stuck in my mouth. It's great. But here's Adam and Eve, and what ends up happening is that there's this tree of life and death, and, and God says, hey. I made you i 'm your father i 'm your guy, and I made you to go and create and I made you to go and name and I made you to go and and take uh take over this world and subdue it, have dominion over it. I made this entire thing for you guys. I designed the world. I designed the winds. I designed the seasons. I designed the elements. I designed the animals. I designed the leaves. I designed all of this plant life, the green, the mountains, the everything. I designed it with you in mind so that you can go and you can live and you can do what I've called you to do. And then he said, there's one thing. There's a tree over here. You can do whatever you want to do anywhere else. You can cut down, you can build, you can uproot, you can plant, you can do all these things. You can name goats goats. I don't know why you would, but you can. LeBron James wasn't even around yet. And uh, thanks, guys. Are you Michael Jordan fans? Okay. That's cool. He's old. So he called me. Call LeBron. So he said, go. Be fruitful. Multiply. Do great things for me. But just don't eat of this tree. Now the story tells us that a serpent would come along, which is the devil, it's the enemy. He comes along and he approaches Eve, and what the enemy does in our lives, friends, is that he loves to question what God said. You ever notice that when, when you just have a God dream, when God puts something on the inside of you, or he gave you a word to say to somebody and Starbucks behind you, and you're like, all of a sudden that little voice goes, did he really tell you to tell that person? Did he really tell you to buy their food and tell them, hey, Jesus loves you? Did he really tell you to do this? Did he really tell you to step out into this area? Did he really tell you to go public with your faith? Did he really tell you you should go to that church? Did he really tell you that you should believe for healing when the doctors are telling you it's useless? Like, did he really say that? When you get those do you, did he really moments, you got to know that comes from the pit of hell. That's called to distract you. That's caused to take you down. That's caused for you not to walk in the blessing, especially when you're at Starbucks and he's telling you to bless the person behind you and the enemy goes, did he really? The enemy doesn't want them blessed or their life changed either, okay? Did did he really always comes from the enemy, amen? And so he goes to Eve, and he goes, this is great. Look at this. Look at this garden that you have. Look at your husband. Look at this amazing thing. I got a question. Did he really tell you you couldn't eat out of that tree? Did he really tell you, like, he gave you all of this, but that's the one thing that you can't do? Like, for real, for real? Trying this morning. And he always questions. And he said, did he really? after the question, because his comes his purpose for your life. And he says to her, he doesn't want you to eat of that fruit. Because he knows if you did, it would make you just like him. You could be God. You could rule and reign. You could walk around. You could have the power to do all these things. You could have the power of life and death. You could be a god if you ate of that. And then as we know, as the story tells us, Eve would go on to bite this fruit. Adam would come along, and he would be like, girl, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, this this serpent over here, this dude, he told me that God doesn't want us to, to bite this. Because it will make us like him. Like, why would he keep that from us? Why would he give us all of this and not allow us to partake in this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And so Adam takes his wife's lead and ends up biting of this fruit. And as we know from the rest of the story, this is the first time that disobedience has entered this world. This is the first time that deception has entered this world. This is the first time that sin has been allowed in this perfect, amazing, God-breathed, God-formed, God-dreamed-up world that we now occupy, and everything in this moment changed. Adam... And Eve, in this moment, their relationship, their entire context for living, like when you and I come home to know the Lord, our entire context for living, how we live it and how we don't live it, all changes when we come to know Jesus as, as Christ in our life, as Lord and Savior. But for Adam and Eve in this moment... They went from the perfect, tangible, physical relationship with God. They could walk with Him. They could talk with Him. They could see Him face to face. And they could be with Him in the garden. Far more tangible than you and I experienced with the Spirit of God that He has given us. And the presence where two or more are gathered. Far more tangible. They had it all. And everything in this moment changed. It was in this moment, as soon as Adam sunk his teeth in there that his and Eve's reality changed. A film came off. The sound got distorted. Everything for them changed. Their perception of reality went from one of perfect relationship with their creator to free reign, to do amazing things for God in this world that he gave them, and in a bite of disobedience, in a moment of failure, that failure became fatal. And so all of a sudden, Adam and Eve, they, they noticed each other, and they were like, I never noticed you looked like that. Um, I'm going to go over here. You can go over there. We're going to get some leaves. And we're going to fix this real quick. And they go, and they hide. The moment this happens, their first inclination is no longer, if they ever experienced trouble before this moment, before anything, if they ever experienced turbulence, if the waves were ever too high, if they ever had difficulty, if they ever had to learn, all they had to do is reach up and they could see Father God right there next to them and be like, what do we do now? How do we change this? What could happen? In this moment, the second something was off and wrong and different for them, they no longer had that relationship. And so for them, their instinct was no longer to run and hide or run and go to God so that he can clean them and clothe them and make them new again and redeem them. No, 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 no. Their inclination was to go and hide and run from God. Now, I feel like for a lot of us, that's still our default setting. For a lot of us, the way we experience failure, the way we experience moral failure, the way we experience our sin in our life is when we are doing so good and we're riding that high life and we have that relationship with God where we're just getting words every day, where something amazing's happened. He's moving through our work and He's moving through our, our quiet time and He's moving through our marriages and our relationships and He's showing up and showing out in our lives. We have this and we're excited and we're loving it, but the second that we fail, Because we were so high up, we were so close, we had everything going for us. The second that we botch it, our inclination isn't to go and tell our pastor. It's not to go and tell our crew leader. It's not even to go and tell our spouse. We run. We hide. So often after we have already committed the act that ultimately changes our lives, our inclination isn't to go to our spouse and be like, honey, I did this today. I know I, I shouldn't have, and I was in a moment, and I, it's not to that. We don't run to our pastors when we stepped out on our wife. And we say, I did this, what do I do? No, 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 we choose to not even tell our wives, we choose not to tell our husbands, we choose to keep that hidden, and when it's hidden, that's where shame grows, that's where guilt comes from, that's where condemnation comes from. Instead of having a conviction to go and bring it out into the light, we feel condemned to keep it in the dark. And so much like Adam and Eve, when we experience failure in our lives, our first inclination is to look at what's now wrong in our lives and out of extreme guilt and shame, we run and we hide. So often when we mess up in this life, if we're being honest, we're found saying, oh God, what have I done? But we're not really approaching God with what we've done. So often in this life when we have failures in our experiences, failures in our relationships, failures in our workplace, whatever you're failed in in your life, when we have failure happened to us and we've chosen to do something that God said is not best for our lives. We're found saying, oh God, what have I done? Not, oh God, can you fix this? Oh God, can you redeem this? So what do we do with our failures? What do you do with your failures? How do you recover? How do you pick up when you fumble the ball? That's my question this morning. As a church, when we're into the wild, we got big dreams for this church, and I'm not talking whatever whatever you hear everybody else say when they say they got big dreams for their church. Okay, is it lots of people? Yeah, because that's lots of souls. Okay, like we're here to win people to Jesus. It's going to be awesome. But we got big dreams for this church. But it doesn't. But big for me doesn't live and die on numbers. Big for me is when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have a Creator whose grace is deeper than your sin is wide. Amen. My hope and my dreams, my big dreams for this church is that we would be a people that we know that we have pastors and we have leaders and we have other church members, people that we do life with on the regular, that when we botch it, we can run to them. That when we feel like we're going to make a mistake, when we're feeling tempted, when we start hearing the, did he really say it? Did he really mean this? When we start hearing that voice, we would have that pre-inclination, that pre-decision is made. That we have people in our corner that we can run to and we can say, I felt like doing this today. And if I don't get it out in this moment, I'm for sure going to do it tomorrow. So much of our lives will be determined by what we pre-decide, church. If Eve in that moment or Adam in that moment said and predecided and said, no matter what comes our way, we're always going to run to God. Before we ever make a decision, we're going to go to him. Before we ever have any sort of trouble or tribulation in this plane right now. Like a snake rearing its ugly head and telling you lies. I mean, that's a little weird, right? In that moment, if they would have pre-decided that they were going to give God the last word, The final say, the right to veto what we do or don't do in this life, what we give into and what we don't give into in this life. Their experience and our experience would have been completely different. For you, friends, how do we handle our failures? Because in this life, failure will be fatal if we don't drag that out into the light. If we don't bring that into community, if we don't drag that sucker out and we get some people who are further along than us to speak into that situation, because the more the enemy comes and the more he knocks on our doors and the more that we give into what he wants for our lives, the less of God we're going to have. We're going to feel ultimately more lost than we do found. But friends, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross through what God did on the cross with Jesus, you and I, we now live and exist from a place of foundness, not of lost. I know foundness isn't a word, but that's good preaching. What God did in the person of Jesus Christ, we now have the right to say we are found. How can you, enemy, how can you call me lost when he has called me found? And so in this moment, something incredible happens. God rolls through, and much like he does in our lives, when we're going through failure when we're experiencing turbulence or we're having hardships when we're having a hard time navigating life and we're making decisions and they're not always the best for us and some of them are the best for us and that's just kind of the mixed bag that life ends up being sometimes God is constantly pursuing us here in this moment we know that God is all-knowing he is omnipotent he is everywhere and every everything he can see he can hear always he knows you more than anything he is all surrounding. He is always here, and it didn't change, okay? This is how he was in this moment. So it says that God is moving through the garden on a cool day. I love that, by the way. That's a great descriptor. I was like, must us see Michigan. Cool day. No? Everybody hates Michigan? Okay. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves Michigan. <laughs> but here it says God is moving through the garden on a cool day, and the visual is amazing because God just kind of stops and he goes, Adam, where are you? He doesn't shout it. He doesn't frantically look around like he's not God and he doesn't know where Adam is. He moves through the garden on a cool day, fully aware of the conversation that took place between Adam, Eve, and a serpent, the enemy, the fallen angel known as Lucifer, the devil, the dude that sucks and ruins our lives, okay? We hate that guy. We're going to kick him in the teeth, amen? Praise God. We're going to be a church full of (laughs) devil teeth kickers. It's going to be awesome. But here's this moment God doesn't shout. He doesn't frantically start looking for Adam. But he says something amazing, and I think our generation in this church and this city needs to hear this more than anything right now. Going into 2020, we're starting a new year, and God has said to Adam in this moment, he goes, Adam, where are you? And he said it just like that. He said, Adam, where are you? There's no question mark at the end of that. When God goes and he is saying to you and he is pursuing you and he says to you and he he looks at your situation and he reminds you and he questions your situation and he says, where are you right now? That's not to shame you, that's to remind you. You see, for Adam, when he heard, where are you? That wasn't God shaming him, that was God reminding him. He didn't say it because God didn't know where Adam was. He said it because Adam didn't know where Adam was. Adam had no idea what happened. His life completely changed. Everything is different. His reality has shifted and has been fractured. And now he's hiding with some leaves, covering up his bits, and he is freaking out. Because of the decision that he has made that has altered his entire existence up until this point. And God, in a cool summer day, is walking through that garden. He just goes, Adam, where are you? When God questions your life, when God questions your morality, when God questions your decisions, when you're in your prayer time, when you're in the word, when you read something that's convicting, when God convicts you and he questions you, it is never to guilt you or to shame you, but to remind you whose you are, who you are, and what you were made to be. Amen? He didn't shame Adam. He didn't drag him out for all the animals and for Eve to see and beat him. No, no, no. He called to him to remind him. He asked Adam, where are you? He knew good well where Adam was. Adam had no clue where he was because the decisions that he made found him in an impossible situation, in an impossible place that he could have never have foreseen before he made that action. How many of us does that relate to? Come on, we have made decisions in our lives that we wouldn't have made had we known the consequences. Adam would never have bitten that, would never have listened to Eve. Eve would have never listened to the devil. This never would have happened had they known what actually would have taken place on the backside of their consequences. And so God, when he calls you out and he questions your life, it is never to shame you. It is to, it's to remind you of who you are and what you are. You know, so often in life, we hate when when pastors and Christians and people say, No, 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 God's called you to better. God's called you to better. When we hear that, we feel like people are saying, Be better. He's no, 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 no. Be better. Do better. Strive harder. No, 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 no. When God reminds you, Be better, He's telling you, You are better. You are better. He's not telling you to pull up your own brute straps to try and make your best way through this life, when he tells you be better, it's to remind you you are better. You are a son. You are a daughter. You have access to the kingdom of heaven here and now to invade this place. You are better. So in this moment, what happens next in this conversation is Adam explains, which is so funny. It's such a guy move. It really is. Like we do something dumb and it's like, Oh, why were you cussing on the side of the highway? Because of that van you gave me broke down. <laughs> like, why did you freak out on your boss? Because that job you gave me gave me a boss. That, you know what I mean? Like, that's just such a guy move. Like, it really is. Like, all of a sudden we just start blaming everything else. And we take zero responsibility. That's me every day. And it's just <laughs> pray for me. And it's so funny because we're like, like, oh, why did you do this? Cause that wife you gave me, like, it's insane. This is totally a guy thing to do. And so God goes. Why did you? Why did you eat that? Because that wife you gave me, that woman you gave me. And the next converse, that part of the conversation is, so I ran and I hid because I realized I was naked. And this is significant. This is significant because if the enemy can get us to identify with our failures, we will move from being a person that is found to a person that is lost. We will go back to an identity of loss, an identity of failure, an identity of shame and of guilt and of condemnation. When God has called us redeemed, he has called us son, he has called us daughter, he has called us a citizen of heaven. But we will live as a citizen of condemnation if we do not listen to what God says. So he says, who told you you were naked? Who put that identity on you? Who spoke those words over you? Did that come from me? When I made you, did I say, this is Adam? When I looked at him, he was very good? Or did I say, this is Adam, and he's naked? No, 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 I looked at you, and I said, this is man, and this is woman, and this is very good. Who told you you were naked? I feel like this is something that this generation, this city specifically, needs to know. And when I say this generation, I don't mean like... The middle schoolers today, okay? I'm talking about the people who are alive on this planet right now. We live in a wild and crazy time, and there are a lot of people looking for affirmation all the long, pr- long, wrong places, and none of us are going to God for our affirmation. But He's saying, Who told you you were naked? You want affirmation for this from them, affirmation of that from them, but come to me and I will tell you who you are. Someone calls you naked? You're my son. Somebody calls you a whore? You're my daughter. I know that's a little for real. I made sure there was no children in the audience before I said that. But this is is the human issue. This is the human situation. This is what happens when we begin to identify with our failures more than our Savior. Suddenly, you tell a lie, and then maybe you tell more lies. You didn't tell anybody that you lied, so you go on lying. And suddenly you've taken on an identity as a liar. Who told you you were a liar? Suddenly you step out on your spouse and you made this decision and you committed adultery. And because you kept it hidden, because you had shame and you had guilt and you were worried about what the people around you would think, about what your church would think that you would lose some sort of social stature, that you would lose some sort of reputation. So instead of drawing your sin out into the light, well, you just get overloaded with shame, with guilt, and because you weren't caught and because you didn't confess it, it becomes easier to commit adultery again. Because adultery is obviously about sex, and sex is a good time if you're married. It's a good time, period, but you should definitely be married. And so then you go from committing adultery to, being a repeat offender of adultery, and suddenly, because you've kept it shameful and you've kept it hidden, you've kept it in the closet, now you're wearing the, la- the label of an adulterer. But we serve a God who's so big, who's so great, who is so full of love and grace that he still bends down to you even though in our social status today there's two huge things that you could be. One's a murderer and the other one's an adulterer and God still gets down, searches out for you in the cool of day and he says to you, who told you you were an adulterer? That's, that's a hard medicine to receive but the truth is, We never speak this out loud, but you and I are all recipients of this medicine. We've all received the grace of Jesus that was unmerited and undeserved based off something that he did for us. So no matter what we've done, what label we've worn, what society has called us, what the enemy has put on us, we don't have to make an agreement with nudity. We don't have to make an agreement with the word whore. We don't have to make an agreement with the word adulterer. We don't have to wear this label because God didn't call us to that. He said, you're still a son, and you're still a daughter, and I'm still so good that you can always come home. And so maybe this morning how you handle failure is, maybe how you've handled failure so far has been to hide these things. Maybe you've cheated. Maybe you've lied. Maybe you've stolen. Maybe you've been racist. Maybe you have thoughts of people based off a stereotype and something that's wrong, something that's sinful, that God has never called somebody else and He's certainly not calling you to call somebody else that. Maybe you've had these failures in your life and you have not dragged them out into the light. And I think that is because, man, we're worried about status. We live in a generation that's worried about clout. We live in a world right now where how somebody else views you, how some other human being, skin and bones, views you is more important than what the king of the universe has called you. Friends, can I encourage you today that if you're worried about, this is a real practical message this morning, if you're worried about ramifications for your sin, you shouldn't be. Well, that sounds heretical. What do you mean? You reap what you sow, you do. But you also reap what he's sown. Your life, who you are, your identity, what he has called you is greater than what you've done. What you've done doesn't define you. You are not your mistakes, you are not what you've done. You are twofold the sum total of what he has done and what you have done. Well, that doesn't make sense. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning. If you're afraid to draw out what you've done, if you're afraid to go to your spouse, if you're afraid to go to your homies and to your friends and the people who are closest to you, if you're afraid to draw these things out into light because you're worried about your position in church, well, I, can't go to the, I can't go to Rusty because I, I won't be able to lead worship anymore. I won't be able to do this. If you're worried about those things, you're worried about the wrong things. Oh, I don't know if I can show my face back at church. I don't know if I can show myself at work. Man, if I confess to this, I'll lose my job. If I I confess this, my my, my wife might leave me. My husband might not want to talk to me anymore. This might change every single area of your life, and you would be right. Sin does change everything, but grace redeems everything. I want to read to you a piece of scripture that I think is really going to put this in, in plain sight for you this morning. Is this helping anybody out? Okay. Genesis 3.21 says this. This is still part of the same story. And the Lord God made Adam, made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. We're so worried about ramifications. We're so worried about the, the consequences of our sin. The Bible tells us the consequences of sin is death, but thank God that He sent Jesus to die that death for you. So now the ramifications are your of your sin are grace. You see, in this moment. We can see they are the first humans. They threw the whole world into this crazy scenario. They changed everything for us. But in this moment, we see a God whose grace is so good and still so sufficient that he saw their shame that they tried to cover up with leaves. And he killed another one of his creations and skinned it. And he brought his kids back together and he clothed them He clothed them with their skin and with their fur. See, friends, no matter what you've done and no matter how much that may change your world, that's called repentance. Repentance is when we bring that thing back out. It's when we're going one direction and we decide to go the other direction after Jesus. And when we go that way, there are some things that got to be drawn out into the light so that he can fully heal them, so that he can fully redeem them. Amen. Worship team, you can begin to make your way back up here but i want to encourage you this morning that as you do that as you yeah we're going to figure that out as you go back and you say this is what i've done and you bring it out to your spouse and you bring it out to your friends and you bring it out to your church and you get some people around you that you can confide in that you can trust what begins to happen is that our god is so good that he is so faithful that he will actually grace you for the consequences that's something that a lot of churches we don't talk about we say repent the kingdom of God is at hand and we talk to you about Jesus and we get you to do that but what we leave off the dinner plate is dessert is that he is going to grace you to get through the ramifications of the falling nature that you've had he is going to right here Adam's whole existence changed Eve's whole existence changed the world changed and he knew That what they tried to cover up their shame and guilt with would never be enough to protect them. Would never be enough to keep them warm. Would never be enough to provide for them what his sons and daughters need to live out this life. So what he did was he took another one of his creations, but it wasn't made in his image like they were. And he clothed his image bearers up. He redeemed his image bearers and he provided a way for them to live out their calling still. So friends, I don't know what it is that you need to confess today. I don't know what it is that you need to get right with God about. I don't know what it is that maybe as we go back into this last little moment of worship here, you need to grab your spouse and you need to say. Maybe you need to grab a trusted friend and you need to let him know this is where I've been, really. These are the things I've been doing with my girlfriend, really. Really. These are the things that have been happening in my life on the down low and in the shadows. And I don't want to live with an identity that God didn't give me. I don't want to live in guilt and shame that he didn't call me for. If life and life to the full is available to me, that's what I want. I have one more piece of scripture to share with you. Hebrews 3, 7 through 8. It's amazing. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his voice, not just back when this book was written, but we know that the whole word of God, by what the word says, is useful for teaching and edifying the saints, the church, you and me. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. This morning, as you're going through the wild, as your journey as your sanctification process, as your life of following Jesus has led you here this morning, when you hear his voice, if you have felt something tug on the inside of you today that said, yeah, I've been more lost than I am found, but there is a medicine for that. It's called repentance, and you can draw that thing out into community and into light, but don't harden your heart to it. And if your heart is already hard, chances are that you know that. And I want to tell you that God has more for you than a hardened heart. God has more for you than than scar tissue existence. He has a new nature for you. He has a new reality for you. And no matter what the ramifications may be for what you may have done, He has a way through it. He has a grace over it. He has a purpose in it. And he will make all things, come on church, work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So would you stand up? I just want to pray over you this morning as we begin to sing one more time, whatever it is. Worship team. You can just begin to play right now. You don't even got to wait for me to be done. Start singing, and I'm just going to prophesy over this church, and I want to believe this morning that we are going to confess some things that will bring us closer to wholeness, that we're going to confess some things that will give us a new heart, that will confess some things this morning that will enable us to take on our new nature because he's so good and he's so faithful this morning, church. Come on. I am who you say I am. not forsaken come on church. God we're not gonna live in a fallen world more God we're not gonna live in a fallen existence God we're gonna take up the namesake of Christ and we're gonna walk this out on purpose with purpose and on purpose God we thank you God for calling us a son for calling us a daughter for calling us the head not the tail the first not the last God we thank you for destiny we thank you for a calling we thank you for redemption this morning